0: We are looking and celebrating Advent. Advent is a Latin word, adventus, for arrival or coming. Um, it, is a, 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 it is a very traditional um, thing that the that the church um, in the church calendar that they look at it. It actually starts the church calendar off, um, and so what it has to deal with is the coming or the re- or arrival of Christ right arrival coming and so that's what we are specifically doing is taking time to remember God remember that he has come back and remember that he is coming back again he isn't just going to leave us here and so what we've been doing is looking at First Chronicles 16 verse 12 as kind of our, our verse to help us remember. In this, this verse is, is a lyric to a song. It's a song that, that King David had wrote. If, if you look in your copy of, of God's Word, you'll see right before verse 8, well, my Bible says David's song of thanks. It's a song of Thanks. And through this song, David is calling his, his listeners and us, his readers, to remember God. This is a deeply theological and doctrinally rich song. It says this, verse 12, Remember the wondrous works that He has done. His miracles and the judgments he uttered. Father, we ask this morning that you would illuminate our hearts, that your Holy Spirit would convict us of sin. That for your children, that that this, this passage, this sermon would cause deep reflection and love to pour out. That your spirit would continue to do a work in your children's hearts. That, that if your children need encouragement, that they would find encouragement. If, if they need conviction, that your spirit would bring conviction. And Father, I ask that that you would awaken the hard hearts the hearts that are dead set against you, who, who hate you and blaspheme your name, that you would not ultimately give themselves over to what they want, that you would not give them over to themselves, but that you would be kind and lead them to repentance. And Father, awaken those souls that have been just playing this religious game with you, believing that their works or their clean life is what has earned favor in your sight. We pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, I read an interesting article that I would like to read to you all. This. This article is found on um, the Gospel Coalition's website and, and it's by Justin Wainscott. He's a, he's a pastor somewhere in Florida, I believe. I've got no idea who the dude is. I've never met him. It's just I read this article and I thought it was a, a fascinating article. What, what Justin does in this article is he... He mimics what C.S. Lewis did in his one of his famous books called the Screw Tape Letters. And if you haven't read the Screw Tape Letters, put that as one of your books to read this year. It's a really interesting look between um, uh, Screw Tape is his name and Wormwood is his nephew. It's, it's a it's a letter that an uncle is writing his nephew, and it's in the eyes of. A demon, an uncle demon, who is writing to his nephew demon on how to be a good demon, or how to properly um, trick their patience. And so in this letter or article that I'm going to read, it takes on this kind of um, story plot. And so we'll read of things like the, the invasion which is supposed to be the incarnation, or the bad news, which is supposed to be the good news. So it says this, My dear Wormwood, I received your latest letter in which you expressed a number of fears over your patient's celebration of those seasons of the year that Christians call Advent and Christmas, and to which our Father below only refers to, usually in disgust, as the invasion I must admit, Wormwood, I could not help but laugh at how fearful you seemed at this prospect. Not that these particular seasons shouldn't strike fear in every young fiend like yourself when rightly understood, but therein lies our advantage when it comes to so many Christians. There is much they misunderstand or never consider at all. Devil forbid they, are, they ever grasp the real implications of these seasons. So since you asked how best to handle this current, and I believe you called it dreaded situation, let me offer three heinous situations that even those in hell's high command would never question. If you can succeed in the first two, the third may not even be necessary. But if worse comes to worse, the third suggestion is always at your disposal, and its effect And it is effective because it gives your patient the illusion he's celebrating these seasons when, in fact, you're helping him miss the point. First, try keeping the patient sufficiently distracted. This is important, Wormwood, because the enemy wants him to ponder and meditate on that awful truth. I shudder even to write it. The Incarnation. You must do all you can to prevent this from happening. And distraction is one of your deadliest weapons during these seasons. I know you failed miserably in similar efforts in the past, and I have paid dearly dearly for it. But there are so many potential means for distraction during this one month that even you should find this task easy. So keep him overly committed to all sorts of things. Yes, even to good things. Make sure he goes to every party and feels obligated to go out and purchase a gift for each one. Make sure he attends concerts and dinners and charity events. If his calendar isn't full, you failed. Exhaust him. Tire him out in any way you can. Keep him going and doing. And if that doesn't work, distract him with entertainment and other mindless tricks. Just don't give him time and space to consider what these seasons are actually meant to celebrate. If that doesn't work for you, then try keeping his celebrations merely sentimental. It's no use trying to keep him from celebrating these seasons entirely. That simply will not work. Just ask Scabtree. But if you can make them nothing more than sentimental and nostalgic then you will have prevented him from reflecting on the real meaning of the enemy's actions. So by all means, let him sing and be merry. Hell knows we have made good use of those kinds of things just as much as we have misery and gloom. But make sure he only sings and reflects on things like sleigh rides and silver bells and snowfall and decorations and family gatherings, things every one of his fellow creatures can sing about and celebrate. And if you can make him shed a sentimental tear while he sings about them, even better. Those kinds of songs are quite harmless in the eyes of hell. What he must be kept from singing, however, are all those carols that make hell tremble because they are filled with truths we can't deny. Truths about who the enemy is and what he has done to triumph over our Father below. When your patient celebration begins to include such songs or reflection on such themes, you are in real and serious danger. Even so... You are not without the last method of attack. If all else fails, try keeping the enemy's story, what we call the bad news, limited to the invasion. It is bad enough that your patient thinks on this at all, but realize it could be worse. So if you foolishly allow him to focus his attention on the invasion, then at least be sure to let your story go no further in his mind. All those bipeds the enemy has created seems to love babies. So make him think the bad news is nothing more than a story about a baby. Something cute and sweet, but not serious and significant. Find a way to keep the story in Bethlehem. You can even let him keep his manger scenes with all the animals present. Don't let him think about the enemy as a man, or what he did to some of our fiendish friends, or how he humiliated all of hell when he rose again. You can see the manger in your patient's thinking so long as you divorce it from the cross and the empty tomb. But once he begins to recognize there's more to the story of the bad news than just the invasion, especially if he thinks about the great defeat, then he will turn in gratitude to the enemy. And I sincerely hope for your sake this does not happen. Your affectionate uncle, Screwtape. Our human nature wants to distract us. Our sin wants us to keep us preoccupied by trivial things of this world that will rust and decay. And what's amazing about this time of the year, right? The the reason for the season has been turned into celebrating the incarnation of Christ to buying presents, eating food, setting New Year's resolutions. Our sin and the evil one wants to distract us from the real meaning of why we celebrate what we celebrate. Why we celebrate Advent, the coming of Christ. See, but God's people, God's people are to be a people who remember Him. And so it would be kind of silly of me for a, a series titled Remember God if I didn't go back and remind us of what God has done. It's a... Uh, a teacher by the name of Haddon Robinson. He, he's passed away now. He was a teacher at Gordon Theological Seminary. He was known as a, the preacher's teacher that says the preacher's job isn't just to inform people, but to remind people. And so that's what I want to do for us this morning. So I've, I just want to quickly, uh, well, quickly uh, is relative. Uh, <laughs> I want to look back at the last couple of weeks Briefly, there we go. On what we talked about. See, the, the first week, we looked specifically at this word, remember. And why it is so crucial, not just to the Christian, but, but to God himself, that God remembers. We looked at, and we've seen, that God is a God who remembers all things. There is not one thing that he Does not remember. This is both thrilling and frightening. It's both exciting and chilling. Because our story starts all the way back in the garden with Adam and Eve. See, God had created all things good and enjoyable for Adam and Eve, and he had asked them of one thing, just don't eat of this tree. You can have anything else on this planet, just don't eat of that tree. And so the serpent came and the serpent deceived them. And really, right away, within the first three chapters of the Bible, we see God's image bearers already forget what God had Made them to be they, he had made them to be his special people, he had made them to be a a people in his, his own image and likeness, and what Adam and Eve decided to do was to go awol well, no we want to be God, and because of one, their one disobedient act, sin had entered into the world and stained. The entire world. And, and one thing that I've been actually, I don't know why this has been coming through my mind, but do you realize that when God had created Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve were naked and without shame. They had never once experienced shame. And as soon as they took of the fruit and they ate it, they realized they were naked and they were filled with shame. Something that God's image bearers were never ever supposed to experience shame and guilt and envy and what the appropriate response probably should have been was God just to to say forget it if this is what you want I don't have to put up with you but instead what we see is a a good God remembering his people and he comes to them and he gives them a promise. He tells them that there would be an offspring from the woman that would bruise the head of the serpent. See, God remembers. But, but this is the, the chilling part of God remembering is that when Adam and Eve sinned, he had to kick them out of his presence because sin cannot be in the presence of a holy God. And so all God could remember at that point in his image bearers was their sin. In Hosea, it says that their evil is before me. Man's evil is before God's face. He sees it so clearly. So on Thanksgiving, when you were told not to eat the stuffing yet, and you went ahead and you ate the stuffing, God saw that. And you see, the only appropriate response to man's sin from a holy God is righteous and just judgment. Because of that one disobedient act, the entire world was stained with sin and the wrath of God was set on that. There is not one person that can convince God that they don't deserve his wrath. But this is the good news is that because God remembers but because God remembers that, that promise that He made back in the garden, what, what God does throughout time is He establishes what the Bible calls covenants or, or promises throughout history to remind His people, I am going to deliver you. And so He establishes one with Noah and Abraham and Moses and David. And then we see the ultimate covenant, the new covenant fulfilled through Jesus. And this is all because God is not forgetting his promise, but instead he's remembering it and establishing more means of showing his people, I am going to rescue you. And so he tells Abraham, it is going to be through your offspring that one will come that will be a blessing to all nations. And he tells David that one of your sons, I will establish a kingdom that will be forever through him. And so, because God remembers his people, he's showing them. But God also calls his people now to remember him. He tells them, he has prophets continue to warn his people. And so what we see is God's people are in slavery and He sends Moses to be a deliverer. To deliver His people from slavery. And He tells His people once He brings them across to freedom, He tells Moses to relay the message of you have seen what I've just done. So if you obey me you will be my my treasured people and I will establish my kingdom with you and So because God is remembering his people and his promises he brings out Israel he brings them to freedom And through a lot of ups and downs and wanderings in the wilderness, there comes a point when Israel experiences peace. It seems as if God's new kingdom is set up. His people have peace. And all is good. See, but there was a warning that Moses had given them back in Deuteronomy. And that warning was that if you forget the God who has delivered you and you worship idols, you will surely perish. And so after a while, as Israel is in their kingdom and comfort sets in, God's people slowly start to forget and start to worship idols. The kingdom is split into the northern and southern kingdom and Israel once again, well not once again, but Israel is found in exile. They are expelled from the kingdom just like Adam and Eve were expelled from the garden. And so what we are seeing is that, you know, God's people are pretty incompetent. (laughs) Because it seems like God is the one who is continuing to remember them, but His people are the one who continues to forget Him. They remember Him for a little while, they experience blessing, they get comfortable, and then they slowly start to worship other idols and they forget Him. But yet God is being constant in His remembering and showing them love. Because He has a promise that He is going to fulfill. More often than we want to admit... This is us. All I have to do is, is ask how well we have done this past week at remembering God. I'm sure it's probably not as good as what we'd like to think. Because as soon as comfort sets in, it's so easy to start to be swayed to the idols of this world. What idols are you worshiping? This time of the year... Is a great opportunity to see what idols you are worshipping. See, we are in exile. We are in exile because we are not yet back in the garden. Adam and Eve were expelled. They were exiled from the garden. And last time I checked, it, yeah, there's snow on the ground. It was six degrees this morning. It felt like negative eight. I don't think the garden is going to be like that. I don't think the new heavens and new earth are going to be as chilly. And if it is, I don't think we're going to feel it or we're going to like it. I don't know how that would be possible, but I mean, with God, all things are possible. And so we are to be a people that remember, but brothers and sisters, let me tell you this. If, if you are expecting that this Sunday, this one Sunday, if you are only expecting to get fed spiritually on one day of the week for one hour then you are killing yourselves. You are killing yourselves spiritually. And if you are expecting that you can do this, this journey, this pilgrimage of walking as a Christian alone, as an individual, you are killing yourselves because you cannot do that alone. I mean, look, if the Apostle Paul couldn't walk this Christian journey alone, then what makes us think that we have the ability to walk this Christian journey alone? We can't. Because our indwelling sin is prone to take us to idols that we love. And so we need brothers and sisters to confide in. We need brothers and sisters to confront us of our sin. We need brothers and sisters to pray for us. And then we need to be living for the mission of God, for the glory of God. Because there is a world that is wasting away and every second that goes by is a second closer to the judgment of God. I mean, I don't know if you guys ever think about this, but there are literally people that, that are your neighbors that very well be, could be going to hell. Because we don't see the mission as urgent. Because we're forgetful. And so we see that. God is a God who remembers. God's people are to be a people who remember. But God's people are in exile. And so we need to be a people. Who remember together. Which takes us. To the next part of this verse. Remember the wondrous works that He has done. His miracles. So, so what David is saying right here is, remember the miracles of God. Remember them. Don't forget them. And so what, what David most likely was thinking was of how God had sent the ten plagues. Or how God led Israel through the sea. Or how God came down in a pillar of smoke in the morning and a pillar of fire at night. David could have even remembered how God miraculously delivered his people time and time again from their enemies. See, but lucky for us, I mean not so much David, but for us, we have the whole word of God. So we get to see more miracles than just what David got to experience. And so what I would like to look at, the miracle that I would like to look at this morning, because we can, is what the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 7.14. See, God would speak through his prophets to remind his people that he was doing something. And most of the time, what the prophets were used for was to either pronounce judgment or blessing. And what these prophets would also do is they would remind God's people, remember your first love. But what we see the the prophet Isaiah saying is incredible. See, a miracle is something that is not natural. It's something that happens that's outside of space, time, uh, whatever. So Isaiah 7, verse 14, we, we see this incredible prophecy. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, there are are a few ways to look at this prophecy that a a bunch of people have kind of thought of. And there are some who will say, well, this prophecy was talking about the king Hezekiah, which is which doesn't really make that much sense. There are a, a few people who will then say, well, in the Old Testament, this is kind of how it was always talked about. So. When you would talk about a a, a woman giving birth, it was a a virgin. Because biology says that when you're a, a virgin and you have sex and you conceive a child, you give birth to a child. So, a virgin child. But our passage doesn't say a virgin. It says the virgin. And so there's another view... That this is a double meaning. That that the prophet Isaiah was actually speaking of his own child, the second child that he would have. And so when it says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That, that it's actually talking about the prophet Isaiah's son that will be born. But then it also in the future is talking about Jesus who will be born of a virgin. However, that doesn't make that much sense because... Isaiah doesn't name his son Emmanuel. But, but don't hear me saying that that couldn't be a, a legitimate way to look at this passage. It, it, it certainly could be. We are seeing in Isaiah 7.14 one of the most incredible miracles and Prophecies taking place here, that God himself is going to be with His people. A holy God that who when Moses would go up to the mountain. And would come back down with his face shimmering because of the holiness that radiated from God. Would come down and dwell with his people, Emmanuel, God with us. I love that name of God. You see, this is one of the most incredible things about This prophecy and miracle is that our God is not a God who is distant. He's not some distant God that needs his creatures cleaning up his acts like like Nike or Zeus or whatever it is. And our God isn't a distant and cold God where he says, well, you're kind of a bunch of jacked up people, so now you need to work really hard to get back into favor with me. And just in case if you don't, what I'm going to do is, if, if you live a really bad life, then you get to be a fly the next time that you're alive. Our God is not a distant God and this passage is showing us this. This is this is the, the plan of God from the very beginning, right? I will give you an offspring. The woman shall have an offspring who will bruise the head of the serpent. And here, now we are seeing that this offspring will be born of the virgin. I mean, this is what a miracle is. It it's not natural. Yesterday as Sharice and I were driving on college Ave, I I sometimes have these I think it was college. I think it was college. Was it college? (laughs) (laughs) Well I I, I, for whatever reason will just always have these uh, memories come into my mind. Sometimes they're pointless, sometimes they remember their good good memories, sometimes bad memories. It's a gift and curse. Um, Sometimes I tell Sheree, sometimes I don't. Um, Sometimes it's better that I just don't tell her. Uh, But as we were driving down college, we were going to um, half-priced books, one of my favorite stores uh, here. And uh, we were pulling up to the stoplight. And this memory came into my mind of when I was a young child. I had to have been four or five. And I was pulling up to, we were pulling, my dad and I, I wasn't driving. My dad and I were pulling up to a stop sign. And one of the things that we would always do, or a stop light, one of the things we would always do is, uh, we would always guess when there was a green light. See, I I didn't know that what dad was doing was just looking at the other stop light and timing it so well. But, But to me, when he got it right it seemed like it was a miracle. Like he was some type of, of prophet. And there was this one time, and, and I remember it so clearly because it's so silly. I was eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in the car. We pulled up to the stoplight and I set a green light and the light turned green. And so I thought I just needed a peanut butter and jelly sandwich this whole entire time. <laughs> See, but that's not a miracle. That's just getting lucky. (laughs) See, what's a miracle is that Sharice married me. That's what a miracle is. (laughs) We are seeing a miracle happen because God is not a God who breaks His promises. He's a God who keeps His promises. And And this is why it matters that God came as a virgin, or God came through a a virgin from the virgin. This miracle is, is incredible, it's wonderful. what we will see is Emmanuel, God with us. And so what we see through this prophecy and this miracle is God go to the Virgin Mary. He would send his angel Gabriel. And Gabriel would tell Mary, Mary, do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. You shall bear a son, and his name shall be Jesus. And what is Mary's response? How in the world can this be? I'm a virgin am betrothed to Joseph. And what Gabriel says, the Holy Spirit will overcome you. God is able to work outside of our little pea brains and what we think And how we think things should be done. I mean have you guys ever thought. Really taken time to think. What the incarnation of God really meant. I mean, we're told that Jesus is God. I mean, Paul, Paul the, the most theologically known uh, uh, guy of his day, says this to the Philippians. Look, God emptied himself and didn't count equality with himself a thing to even be grasped. John says in, in 1 John, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God and the Word became flesh. He later on then goes to say, Do you know what type of humility our God showed us by coming down in the form of a human being? The God of the universe, the one who created Mary in the first place, is now a baby who has to have his dirty diapers changed by his creatures, by his creation. And let me tell you what if you've forgotten what dirty diapers are like, they're nasty. And this is the creator of the universe who's humbled himself so much so that now his creation is changing his diapers. The very God who created Mary is now feeding off of Mary. I mean, this is the humility that our God has shown, but far too often during this time of the season, we just gloss right past that and think, oh, what a cute little baby laying in a manger. But we never take time to consider the humility that our God has shown us. We just want to gloss right over it all. I mean, for God to come down in the flesh and humble himself. Humble himself not just in the form of a human, but to the point of death. Even death on a cross. The creator of this universe not only was willing to be changed by his creation, but he was willing to die by his creation. So that by his death, those living in sin could be ransomed and saved. So that those, please don't miss this. That those who are saved can be changed and conformed into the likeness and image of his son Jesus. I mean, what God is doing is he's making all things new again. He is saying, you don't have to feel shame anymore because you weren't created to feel that way. And so, this whole story is a story of how God is constantly remembering his people, although his people are constantly forgetting him. Why? Because he wants to display his glory through his people. And so, he's done that by being born of the Virgin Mary. What a miracle! What a miracle. And so I would like to conclude like this. This morning. Uh, I am. uh, Not a magician. Uh, Magicians don't reveal their secrets. (laughs) I'm a pastor and a preacher and all i'm doing with this text the past three weeks is reminding us of what's called the redemptive storyline of god nothing more nothing less all i've been doing is taking our attention to how god is rescuing his people And he does that by sending his son Jesus, being born of the virgin, living a perfect life, dying a sinner's death, taking on the complete and utter wrath of God, defeating the grave and ascending to the Father's right hand, ruling victoriously over all things. This is the beautiful story of the gospel. All the way from Genesis to Revelation is a story of how God is redeeming and saving his people. And this is is the free gift. You can't work for it. You can't do anything to persuade or convince God. He just says, here. Live a life of faith and repentance in my son. And so, this week, how will you remember God? Because, What is it? In ten days Christmas will be here and it's going to be easy in the midst of the chaos of the family of the last second shopping the cooking the cleaning the traveling to forget our wonderful God. When trials come of various kinds come and they kick you in the gut and they leave you down for the count. What are you going to look to? The things that you have in your house or the God who has promised you that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character Character produces hope and hope cannot be put to shame. Father, we pray that you would be magnified in our hearts. God, we pray that that we would be a people who remember you. Forgive us of worshiping idols. Forgive us of looking to things, your creation, to, to, to fill the hole in our hearts. Father, forgive us and be gracious to us and show us how we have sinned against you. And comfort us and give us peace. Father, I, I desperately ask that you would show your kindness to your people this morning. Throughout the week. That it would be your true kindness which, which we know leads us to repentance. Because repentance is a good thing. Would you comfort the weary and the hopeless? And would you remind them of your promises? We pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.